OPN Ask an Angel podcasts are conversations with global angel investors and venture capitalists. We explore how to invest, understanding investment strategies, and approaches to due diligence. Join us and learn what it takes to be a startup or what it takes to invest in the next great company. Well, like anything, we're already uh, rolling and jumping into things. So, uh, Adita, very, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us today. Um, and welcome from Delhi. It's uh, very exciting to have you. And we're excited to jump into a conversation with you around everything that you're doing. So, uh, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. Thank you for having me. 100%. So the best way for us to kind of jump in and get familiarized with um, yourself and, and where we're going with the conversation today is uh, maybe you can give us a little bit of a background on yourself, kind of where you've come from, what you've been up to and kind of where you're going, and then uh, share one thing about you that nobody would know. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so, uh, my name is Aditya and I hail from the capital city of India, which is New Delhi. Uh, and uh, I'm an entrepreneur turned angel investor, uh, wherein I help turn around struggling companies. Um, my journey started when I was 17. Uh, I had a startup uh, in which we were digitalizing and transforming uh, the content space on YouTube. And post that, I've done multiple hats. I've been into multiple businesses. And in my current role and capacity, I help invest in startups and I also manage an investor network for startups, wherein we, of course, invest in early stage transactions and also help them to grow to the next level. So that's what, 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 what's been keeping uh, my day. That's what I've been burning the midnight oil for. And um, yeah, I just want to, in the last year, we've invested in about 25 companies. I want to grow this number uh, buy up 200 or 300 in the coming years. And then, yes, head the ma maximum startups I can, uh, not just from India, but all around the world. No, that's very exciting. Well, maybe you can uh, give us a little bit more of the background on the entrepreneurial side. Um, you mentioned the YouTube piece. Uh, uh, can you give us a bit more understanding of what that was made up of? And then we can carry that through. Sure. Uh, so this was an idea somewhere around 2015, 2016, where of course, uh, it was the new dawn of social media, right? People started utilizing that digital is the key, right? Uh, to, to help you grow in terms of an online presence. And um, we did not have Instagram back then. Uh, we did not have Snapchat back then. We had YouTube, which was a growing community where people were putting a lot of content, Right? So it was like a California gold rush where people were just jumping on the bandwagon and putting a lot of content out there. So we, we figured out that white space and we wanted to monetize that. So uh, not only were we solving a problem in which we help people to create quality content on YouTube, but also a platform in which we can help these creators uh, find analytics for their videos. Right, Because most of the times you upload thousands of videos, but you never actually know that are you improving with your videos or how are your videos doing uh, on, on an individual basis. So that's where we, of course, provided them the much needed insights and analytics so that they can help grow their content piece and can also importantly use that for remarketing, right? So if they want to remarket or maybe do affiliate marketing around it, the analytics and metrics becomes much, much more important. That was something that, of course, we started. And then post that, I switched on to um, multiple businesses. Um, one of the business was in the housing accommodations Right. Wherein uh, what I used to do was we were providing quality 
housing and accommodations to students around university right so in india there are some universities in which students come from all around the uh, all around the country to study these are some of the most prestigious universities not just in india but around the world and some of the toughest to get into so of course students come from all uh, parts of of the country and and around the world to study in them but the problem is that they don't get access to the right kind of housing or the right kind of accommodation because hostels or uh, uh, condominiums can't house everyone right you have to go out and look for your own housing and accommodation as well so that was one thing where we were trying to provide them and also quality food at cheap prices was 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 also our motto it is uh, apart from housing and that's where we created a very beautiful concept uh, around student housing and accommodation so yeah both of my businesses uh, jeffrey i ended up selling uh, to uh, to other investors because um, uh, of course i wanted to help more and more startups to come up and that's where yeah that's where uh, of course i became from an entrepreneur to to an investor awesome and can you give us one thing about you that nobody would know uh so yeah i guess investors have a, a lot of things which 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 a lot of people don't know about right so one thing about me is that i am though i am in the serious business of money but i'm very uh, relaxed and a very humorous person by heart i love a uh, comedy in fact i've been a comedian myself i've done some comedy myself so i love comedy and i love things which are bit on the on the lighter side very cool um i like that having a a little bit of a side side passion and uh making humor one of them that's uh, that's pretty exciting um so you mentioned in in your uh first uh company that you built that it was around helping and figuring out what to do in the youtube space and move this out So how important was it to learn how analytics and data help to grow a business? How important is that to all of the things that you've kind of structured over the last 10 years? How much is that been built off of data and analytics? I guess uh definitely the the pace at which we are moving in data is going to be the new oil, right? Because every industry is now getting data oriented. every sector which was unorganized is trying to get organized in these coming times and of course data is that medium through which you unorganize which which you organize the unorganized sector right so data is going to be the key and again someone who holds that data in in his or her hand has paramount tantamount capacity to change around things and to make useful insights out of it so uh that's where of course uh, we as an economy are headed towards wherein we want to make meaningful insights from a data if let's say i know that the population in one particular pocket of the country is let's say uh, 200000 but i don't know the demographics of it i don't know the deep down details analysis of it so if i don't know these minute details to the very core to the to the very bottom i'm not able to generate meaningful insights from it so that's where of course that was the motivation that was the why of my uh, company when we started and what we did was we picked up we picked up about uh, uh, 500000 uh, videos which are out there on the internet and we tried generating analytics from it we scrolled some of the data from google which is available when google does advertising and some of it was uh, generated by us in which we were looking at these videos on a very personalized on a very one to one basis and seeing their growth on a daily level once we saw that we know we we now know that what 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 is the data and what is the growth of that data and that's where of course 
that becomes our selling proposition to any content creator to anyone who's out there and we take that oil and we say that okay this is this is the meaningful insight that you want from your data and we'll help you to provide all of that yeah that's that's where we are building all of this centering around data and generating insights from it and I completely agree that data is the new oil and, and it has been for a few years and, and content is king. Uh, all of those metrics are really heavily um, set up so that you can grow your business. And from an entrepreneur perspective, and uh, the reason why I really like this subject is because in order for any company to start to find market traction and figure out where they fit in a market, they need to understand the market, but they also need to look at the numbers, look at the data and really pull that information in and analyze it. And being that you are on YouTube and creating a business, that whole thing is about data. Because if you don't sign up users, you don't figure out how many views you have, uh, likes, shares, you don't have a business. So you really had to really understand that and then figure out how do I get into other pockets that are gonna really help my business grow and help people see me. What was the some of the approaches that you guys used in order to expand on that? Um, like you said, you had 500,000, but you started with one. So what actually got you moving and interested more in the space to say, hey, wait, this seems easy. When I look at the data, I'm able to move this quicker. What were those some of those key pieces that you could uh, share with the audience? So uh, again, what we looked at is we figured out that what are the data hotspots in any company, right? Uh, when is the time wherein you utilize your data to the maximum? Let's say when you're uploading your video, which has got viral, or let's say you're uploading a series of video, which has got lull response, which has got dull response. In both the cases, data is generated, right? Um, of course, insights and uh, usability of that data is different, but in both the cases, data is generated. So what we were, we were looking for is that uh, uh, that whole series uh, or, or all, all of those clips wherein data uh, surged up and went down or maybe data went down. And we figured out those trends in the form of a, in, in the form of charts and of course we then of course did a backtracking analysis what people do wrong is uh, people start looking at uh, data from a very microscopic point of view um, they 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 look at what are the likes or their followers and then they see how to grow it but i guess a better strategy is to maybe set up the upper limit and then do a backtracking analysis of it because then you do a mind mapping and you, you 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 try and see that what is the kind of engagement that I want over that particular uh, point of time to hit that ceiling limit. And that's a much, much better strategy and a much focused strategy uh, rather than just going out there in the white space and just creating content, not knowing uh, whether you will hit, let's say, 10 million views by the 10th video or the 100th video, right? So that's where, of course, the corridor of uncertainty is there. Second thing what we looked at is uh, that uh, what is the user generated content in if let's say it's, it's an app, what is the kind of data which is being generated by the in-house users, right? And that is again, one of the most critical aspects of it. Because even if whatever channel you create, right? Even, even if it's a YouTube channel or it's an app, um, a large part of that growth would come in by the users, right? Users would share, users would generate content over it, users would discuss that uh, product on the forums and users would drive the growth eventually of that platform. So, of course, uh, we were trying to see that what is the user-generated content over that piece. And the third most important thing is 
the collaborations aspect right um which is which is a very underrated strategy but most of the digital innovation which has been happening th- these days is built on collaborations and synergies primarily right uh because now users have become much dynamic in their growth let's say if i am a content creator and people see me for 10 days people would get bored on the 11th day people want some new fresh content to come up people want me to speak something which they haven't heard me speaking all this while and that's where those key collaborations and synergies came in so we figured out that when you are moving towards the piece of collaboration or strategic synergies what's the kind of surge or what's the kind of down, downfall that you get how is your audience reacting to it how is your audience responding to it and that's where we are crawling all of that data from from the internet from the user generated content and from everywhere and trying to see that what works best right there is nothing which is one size fits all in in this space right you have to go very deep down so that's where of course we're trying to generate all of that and move in a very uh, organized focused manner then just moving out ahead plainly yeah so it's it sounds like in order to to create a business one you have to understand the data understand your audience but you also have to be very focused and test test and retest and keep testing to see what takes and this doesn't have to just go on content this has to go on a specific product that you're trying to sell this has to go on any aspect of a business so in taking these uh KPIs or these different pieces of the business that generate the data to help you grow um while you were going through and getting traction and building this up and learning what your audience was interested in how much of your business changed from year 1 versus year 3 did you pivot completely different because of the data and your audience or did you stick to your mindset and say no this is the best way I'm doing this and I'm sticking to my gut my gut says do it this way or did you learn from your audience Right. See, Jeffrey, the point here is that um, you can't decide what is best for 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 you, right? Even if, let's say, one strategy is best for me, it is it may not be the best for the company, right? Because every uh, every brand has a different audience to cater to, right? And every audience has a different mindset, has a different opinion, has a different choice, right? So, if you are uh, if you are very static in this field. you are eventually not moving in a very dynamic industry this whole industry is about dynamism it's about moving with changes right so again you can't be static and say okay this works for me let's let's let me stick to that if it if it does not work for brand maybe it's their fault right but let me stick to my guns let me stick to my plans then it's like killing your own audience however it's a very fine line right um i can't go deep inside and pick up the brand's marketing all together by myself i only show them the way the brand has to create that quality content the brand has to uh, service its customer in the best form of manner right because there is no growth hack around it if you're not serving your customers in the most optimum manner no digital strategy would help you to reach a million followers right and that would not help so i'm just showing them the way wherein i'm wherein i'm opening them up to a pandora box which is a series of innovations and experiments wherein we are doing ab testing wherein we are doing surveys uh, we are doing everything that's required for brands uh, in order to fixate one thing and some of the crazy strategies have evolved, evolved as a way right things we, we we thought that would not work for this brand eventually ended up become the, becoming the the preferred marketing strategy of that brand so yeah things happen but yes we have to constantly innovate you have to constantly change in a in a, in a dynamic industry 
I love it. So you, you were focused, but you were taking in all the, the right key points to allow you to move forward, but you were actually changing with those. So year one was not the same as year three because you were dynamic enough to change, learn from your customers, learn from your audience, and that helped you grow and move forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that's, it. That's, that's, I love it. No, and that's that's very valuable because I think sometimes startups in their mind, they get stuck in that this is the right solution. This is the best way. And they try to move forward and they keep hitting roadblocks. Um, and sometimes they have to be a little bit more malleable and, and be able to shift and change because it's going to benefit them in the long run, but also have an ear and open mind to listen to what your audience is saying and then use your data to help you drive your business forward. Absolutely. So in your, in your next business, how much of that learning did you take into then working with your customers, which are now going to be students? Because now you're working with a totally different demographic. You're not working with brands and their, their customers. You're working directly to a customer that you have to accommodate that are all probably in the same age group-ish. And uh, you're trying to help them find something. So did data and everything else play a big part in, in this business? Or was this just kind of a gut feeling and you just went with it and said, you know, I'm going to try this to get to here? Got it. Got it. No, uh, see, both of the markets were very different, right? One was in the totally digital innovation space. One was a very on-ground operation focused space, right? So both are a very different market. I think which is underrated, with which which I'm sure you would also agree. Most of, our, most of us investors invest in that is called founder's market fit, right? We don't just generally look at product market fit. That is there, right? But a founder market fit is more than the product market fit, right? So eventually the founder has to evolve within every market. No market is the same. Every market has a different pain point to solve. Every market has a different strategy through which you approach, right? But again, learnings are there. As you said, Dave, uh, year one was very different from year three in terms of how we, how we were working with our clients. But some things were same from year one to the year three, which was the passion of the founders, which was the the constant urge to satisfy our customers, which was the which uh, which was the need to solve uh, the problem in the best way we can, right? So these principles, as an entrepreneur, that mindset, again, uh, the mindset that I built in the first company would uh, eventually help in the second one. But of course, how I approach the problem. Now the whole scenario setup changed. But again, now I guess second time founders have a much more confident approach. They are much more relaxed and they have a, of course, in terms of statistics as well, they have a higher chance of success. Um, even as short of, uh, as by 35%. I was reading a book today, which uh, rework, uh, which is a very good book, which it said that 35% is the almost the success rate of the second time founders in the second ventures, right? So of course that success rate is there. Uh, that learnings is also there. That mistakes is also there because at the end of the day, both you have to satisfy customers in every market, right? But of course, how you approach them, what's the strategy you find, what's the go-to market you build, what's the business model you build, everything changes, right? Uh, your research changes, your notes changes, your thesis changes, uh, everything changes. But again, yeah, the passion, the vision and the execution should always remain the same. No, I love that. And, and uh, the experience level changes dramatically too, right? You've learned a lot from your first business, you moved into your second business, and you know maybe the principle of what you were looking for and what helped grow business one was a little bit different than what helped you grow business two, but your experience, knowledge, and passion is what kept you focused in driving that business out. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's well said. I love it. So now taking the, all this experience you have and now you're moving into the VC world, what interested you in investing in startups versus building a third company? Uh, see, uh, Jeffrey, uh, at the, maybe the, the, there is something in, in, in the founder's mindset, right? That once you've built a couple of companies, you've scaled a couple of companies, um, now you want to give something back to the society, right? wherein you want to see others prosper as well, because by the time you spend time in the ecosystem, you see a lot of promising faces around, right? And you have those interactions, uh, people celebrate your success as well, and you get close to close to people as you grow in the ecosystem. So of course you want to see some people succeeding, right? So of course, at the end of the day, my larger vision was since I started up young, the, my, my problem was that I started up way too early, right? Which is a very good thing. But of course, in the mindset building, it was a very tough thing because I did not come from an entrepreneurial background. I did not have uh, I did not have uh, anything which was given to me on a, on a tablespoon. I had to literally literally build everything up myself from day one. So of course, now I figured out that pain. And once I started speaking out to more and more of students, of course, through my venture or through various sessions that I did in college, I realized that entrepreneurship, something particularly in India is a growing fad and that fad needs to needs to get caught up into a full-time innovation mindset. So yeah, that's when I wanted to make a shift. That shift was due, right? I figured out that maybe sometime later I'll do that. But I saw myself making it out there young and that's when I saw that maybe if I start out young, I tell to these people that I want to help you. They'll get even more motivated uh, that this is someone who takes everyone along the way and helps. And that was the motivation through which, of course, I joined the world to help other uh, others succeed in life. Very nice. And, and giving back and helping from your experiences is, is going to certainly lead and help other people that don't have the experience or knowledge or a support system to be able to do that. So it's uh, a great approach to helping and building a network. And especially as an entrepreneur, uh, a lot of times um, people just want to build and they don't uh, think about uh, the people around them that haven't done anything. So this is a good way to kind of move that uh, needle forward and educate and help others. Um, in this journey of your the next endeavor that you've been on, uh, what are the types of things that uh, motivate you to work with these companies outside of obviously the financial side of things? Are there other things that you really look forward to in working with the startups? Sure, sure. Um, so the best part about backing early stage companies is, of course, one is the financial incentive that you get, right? But more than making the money, it's always been impact for me, right? Every company which is starting out right now is probably trying to create an impact in the world, right? In their own ways. And that's what motivates me because these companies are not just creating the, they're not reinventing the wheel altogether, but they're helping make the wheel better altogether. And that's where it's a very interesting space to come in, right? Because what you are backing is a company, is, is a company which is going to create a trend in the next three years, right? It's going to continue that shaft in the next three years. And that's what motivates me every day, uh, Jeffrey, uh, that I'm backing strong innovation. I'm backing founders who are coming from humble backgrounds, who are not someone uh, who, who have been given everything on a, on a silver platter. They have literally struggled hard for themselves coming up till here. Uh, so at the end of the day, we are not just transforming a uh, uh, world into a better place, but you are also transforming the the founders that we back into much rounded individuals. And the impact for it, uh, the long-term value, what we say, right? 
the long term value is immense because these entrepreneurs that we are backing will not just go ahead and raise uh, millions and billions of dollars in venture capital but they would also employ a lot of people they would they would be the innovators of change in the coming time and they would they would actually create the world into a better place uh, than what it is so yeah that's what motivates me trust me every day to to back these companies brilliant no that's great and with the uh... With the help and the the insights that you're working with these companies, uh, maybe give us an idea of how it functions in general. Is it are you working with a hundred companies at one time? Is it working in cohorts of ten companies and you're working them through a system? Can you kind of define how that all works and then where you guys come in um, on each aspect of that? Yeah. Uh, so how we te- technically look at is we look at companies in a month on a rolling basis. any company can come up to us either through direct reference or can apply to our website and we would love to open like our doors are never closed for any company to apply to us it's always open so we look at companies on that basis but every month we are shortlisting three companies which we present to our investor forums and which we present to our network of investors and we are trying to close deals from that three uh, transactions apart from that there are some transactions which we run in parallel which are run offline uh, some transactions which we which 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 is reserved for the close group of investors for for the marquee investors uh, so uh, in a month typically if, if i have to look at all of that it's you can say it's a monthly cohort of somewhere about seven transactions on a monthly basis and uh, uh, we'll keep looking at companies on a rolling basis so uh, every month we'll be do, doing this and uh, how we typically where we typically come in is that we come in at an at an early stage in companies uh, wherein the the company's market operational and they want funds for the next scale of innovation so these are your typically your seed round angel rounds and your pre series a rounds right so from anywhere from 50k to about 500k usd is broadly what we look at for investments um and uh, uh our vision with investments is very very different we don't look at investments as i said from just a financial standpoint i guess financial standpoint is the last thing you look at when you do an investment now uh, the the primary things that you look at is of course how you can add value in the transaction and that's what we believe in if you can add value to any transaction you are hedging that risk and you are creating you are increasing the chance the chances of making it a successful transaction so we invest uh, in companies we bring strategic people on company we don't believe in like flooding the cap table with with thousands of investors we would be bringing only strategic guys into the cap table where every role uh, of an investor who's coming in is well defined is talked with the startups on a one to one basis the the milestones all the targets are being discussed and that's where we bring in right in onto the cap table and we guys as well the last thing of course that i want to say is our philosophy is also that we also take a piece in the pie we also invest in companies so that we are creating a space of credibility and trust between the founders and the investors and us that we are also backing this transaction and that's where we add our value as well the entrepreneurial experience that i have got in um, you know, over the years i try to uh, add all of that uh, by taking a small piece in the pie in the transaction as well so yeah, that's what we believe in awesome and so you're kind of uh, are you working and operating more as from a entrepreneur standpoint you're working as um an accelerator incubator slash investor so anybody that you do invest in you're working with them for a set amount of time you've built KPIs or adding in investors or adding in other um experts to help those companies grow is that kind of the structure 
So it's it's structured as an angel network. Uh, we are working for the investors primarily, wherein we are helping them get quality transactions and quality founders. We are focused towards that side. Uh, however, once we invest in companies, we become startup oriented, right? That's where we, of course, believe in driving the next wheel of change in startups, uh, defining milestones, defining KPIs, uh, adding our uh, value over and along the financial transaction as well. So uh, the primary source is an angel network. However, it runs more like an incubator and an accelerator wherein we are very hands-on with the company that we invest in, right? Perfect. That's a good thing. Again, taking your experience and utilizing that to benefit the growth of the company, you can't go wrong. Uh, it's completely needed. I'm sure uh, uh, statistically, when you look at the numbers of companies that have more help than none, it, there's a proven track record that there's going to be more success that's going to come out of that. Absolutely. So now that you've built this network, you're helping these companies, do you go back to your roots again? Are you focusing in on the data to help these companies grow? Or is it more of experts just throwing them into the mix where they see problems and gaps and you're letting the founder share with you the problems that they're having and then you're trying to fix them by bringing in the right resources to kind of help that move forward? So um, I guess it's a mix of both, right? Sometimes you have to uh, literally lead the charge as well uh, in certain situations. But in most of the situations, you want the founder to drive the boat, right? Because it's their baby at the end of the day. Um, I don't believe in, of course, taking over someone's baby and just running it my way. Uh, because it's the founders we are investing in, right? If I wanted to run the show myself, I would have invested on myself. I would have not dragged the transaction, right? So uh, I want founders to run the show. I want them to literally go out in the market and figure out the problem. Uh, we are there, of course, in terms of helping them figure out the right answers. But again, we are the strict investigators who don't tell the answers in the first go because we want founders to struggle. And that's where we want them, literally the, the steel from inside, the, their steel to come from inside, right? Uh, to grow the next companies. But again, I guess, uh, Jeffrey, uh, I'm sure you would also agree that once you've, you're part of the ecosystem, you've lived a certain life into the ecosystem, you are connected with everyone, right? Uh, you can't you can't leave back your roots. You're always connected. And since it's a very small ecosystem as well uh, of startups, it keeps coming back in. It's, it's very circular, right? So yeah, I do go back to my roots often. I enjoy going back to them. And yeah, sometimes I do really, really enjoy throwing founders into the mix. Ah, that's awesome. And, and it reminds me of uh, a story when I was, uh, this was when I started my journey 15 years ago and it, it shaped just around that when uh, I was out in a meeting and uh, I was pushing that I was a business as a CEO. I'm a business guy driving. My background is technology and software development. And um, a lady was, uh, was, I was sitting having a coffee and a lady came in and we were chatting and uh, a new person had come in and they saw them. They said, oh, I really want you to meet Jeffrey. He is the CT, he's a CTO. And I looked at her and I'm like, no, no, I'm not a CTO in my head. I'm thinking, no, no. Um, and it was because it was this idea that I had to get away from what I was good at, what I was core at to try and reinvent myself as being a CEO versus a CTO, uh, being a technologist versus uh, a business person. And it was interesting that years later it caught on that, why am I trying to be something that I'm not? Why don't I just be what I'm really good at? 
And over time, it just, I, I was able to accept that it wasn't a bad thing to have that experience. And it sounds like, and the reason why pulling back on that data thing is that when you've got something that's quick and easy and, and um, needed, it's easy for you to deploy that into other businesses and see what value that you can help them with quickly. And being that that's your background, it's always a good way to foster that. And uh, I always look at the, you're not looking at the fastest route, the hardest route, you're looking at the one that is going to give you the most benefit to share with everybody else. And that's why I love what you're doing because you're taking all of those things that you've experienced and you're sharing that back and helping those companies grow based off of what your experiences were. Absolutely. I think that's how the value of any transaction increases. What we are what we are looking at is that uh, we just get too much involved on the cap table. Who much? How much shares do we eventually have? But I guess it's it's more than the that story, right? Investment is a collecting uh, is a collection of so many experiences of so many learnings that you get from so many investors. And every learning, every experience is 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 right in itself, right? Everyone has done that some in some form of the other. So if you try and look at it from that perspective, it becomes a very value-adding transaction. It becomes a very it, it's become a it becomes a transaction wherein uh, we are literally learning from someone who's been there, done that, and that's where that's the best growth hack that you that you can do, right? Learning from people's experience and people's stories. And I also love going back to the roots and helping with all the data that I've got into the companies these days because at the end of the day, the, when you're creating a portfolio of a portfolio of massive companies. You want everyone. You 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 want everyone, of course, uh, to be successful. Although it's a rule that not everyone would be successful, but at the end of the day, you want everyone to be successful and create some form of impact in the society. Yeah. So when people are engaging with you, uh, do you or they want to engage with you? Is the first kind of or the best way for you to kind of start that engagement? Is it to tell them to go out and find one person to help them be mentored or coached with before they come to you? Because you want them to get that experience of what it takes to be mentored and to be coached and then come and speak with you. Because at that point, they're going to have some groundwork. They're going to have the business is going to be at a certain position. And then you're going to be able to get in there with your team and your network to be able to help them thrive. So what I look at is, again, um, in retrospective, what I look at is that founders should come up to me with some form of answers to the to the problems they have, right? Uh, it should not just become a problem shooting game, right? Where, prop, uh, where founders are on the first call telling me seven different problems and they haven't actually figured out their problems for themselves, right? Because I as an investor as well have limited bandwidth. I can't spend all of my 24 hours on one transaction and help them get all the right answers, right? So... Uh, with a mentor or without a mentor, I guess it does not matter. But what matters is that they should be in some form of direction. They should not be clueless, right? I'm I'm there just as someone who can help accelerate that direction. But I can literally just change directions for them for themselves. Even if I'm doing that, I'm taking away their vision. I'm taking away with what they started initially. And I don't want to do that, right? I'm not someone who wants to kill someone's dream and tell them, okay, this is the right way to follow your dream, right? I don't want to be that bad guy in the room. So, um, yeah, a mentor or mentor does not matter. But yes, you should have you should have something figured out for yourself. Something where you've struggled hard, you've gone to the market, as you've gone to ten customers who've said no. Right? It's okay for me if, if ten customers have said no. But if you don't even know why they've said no, then that's a problem for me, right? Because then it's a spot of bother. It's like aiming in the dark 
without even knowing where the direction is. And that's where that's a big put off for me. So I want them to figure out some things for themselves uh, in, in the direction where they're headed towards. Aditya, that's awesome. It's spot on. I love it. Uh, well said. So I'm going to, uh, we're going to kind of transition now. We've kind of went through this amazing little journey of kind of where you've come from, where you've gone to, how you help people. It's brilliant. I love it. Uh, we're going to jump into the rapid fire questions before we get into a couple personal questions. I hope that speed works for you. Absolutely. We are all about speed. I like it. All right. <laughs> Um, well, and some of the questions you've kind of answered, so we're just going to kind of retake another picture view at this, but, um, so we'll skip through a couple, but, uh, what is your favorite part of investing? Uh, exits. <laughs> All right. It does work. It does work. Uh, how many companies do you invest in per year? Uh, about 25. 25? Yeah. Massive. You're on the upper <laughs> echelon of investments. I love it. Uh, any verticals you like to focus on? EdTech, uh, education tech, fintech, and SaaS companies. Okay. Uh, in the due diligence, is there, before you make a commitment, is there a certain thing that you need to see from that due diligence before you make an investment? Uh, I need to see the founder's due diligence. I need to see that is our founders actually in terms of uh, confident of what they are seeing, something that never gets covered in due diligence. But I want to see that qualitative aspect. Okay. Uh, timelines for investment? Uh, about 30 to 45 days. Okay. Uh, is there anything that you focus on in your due diligence outside the founders? Is it on the paperwork? Is it on the legalities? Is it the product market fit? Is there other things that really jump to the top of the, of the pile? Uh, so I focus more on technology due diligence, wherein I look at What's the kind of technology they are building? Have they done a thorough research of who the competitors, near competitors are in the technology they are building? And more than that, I look at the processes, how the company is moving like internally, right? Uh, with respect to inventory or with respect to filing of their taxes and everything. What's the process, right? Even if there are delays, I'm not worried on that. But what's the process with which you approach your internal health of the company? Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you lead rounds? Uh, not yet, not yet, but uh, we'll lead from, from the coming year. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you have any preferred terms that you'd like to invest on? Pref shares, common shares, safes, anything like that? Uh, so again, uh, uh, that uh, thing, the, the preferred form of instrument is, is something which is which can be workable. It's not, which is a hard fix, but valuation is something which, of course, I would want that uh, typically two, two and a half million dollars, which should not exceed at least when you are investing in the seed round. As a founder, I want a bigger, uh, as an investor, I want a bigger piece of the pie when I'm investing in an early stage transaction. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you do follow-up investments? Yes, yes, we do that. And percentage? Uh, so it's a new portfolio. So we've just done follow-ons with the two companies that we have we've done, but uh, most of the companies will raise follow-ons from this year. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take that. Okay. And uh, do you take board seats? Uh, we take observer seats. So we don't take uh, like a voting seat, but we take observer seats uh, as a part of a network. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So the last question, and this is kind of more of the, uh, um, the positive, exciting story that you can think of, of working with a startup. Uh, it could be one you've invested in. It could be just ones that you were working with. 
And it's kind of that heartfelt trigger pulling kind of startup entrepreneur where they were able to overcome the world's craziness and launch amazing business and do and have some success. Uh, we like to tell those stories where it just is amazing and it blows your mind because there's stories out there where it motivates a startup and it cheats an entrepreneur to show them what it really takes to be an entrepreneur. Do you have kind of that quick story that really makes people feel like, wow, that's what it takes to be an entrepreneur I'm in? Definitely. So uh, there are plenty of stories that, of course, I've witnessed and I've been a part of. Uh, but there is, of course, the the first investment that I made. Right? Uh, we we made in a company called Clear Deco. So it's a it's a budget eyewear retail chain company. Right? Uh, so there are a lot of lot of play, a lot of uh, global brands uh, which are selling eyewear. Right? There's Luxottica. There's there's Wolby Parker. There's Ray Bans of the world. Right? Uh, but there's a very untapped market segment. Uh, which is particularly prevalent in India, which is the rural segment, right? Uh, a lot of people um, uh, have problems of correct eye vision, correct eyesight, but they don't have that paying capacity uh, to afford these luxury brands. So you need eyewear uh, for the for the lower strata of the society, for the down for the bottom section of the society, and that's where Clear Deco was a company which came in. It had no sophisticated technology. It has no. It had no uh, sophisticated lines of code which was written on it. It started out with a simple problem that we want to empower one billion people in India which have a problem of correct eye vision, and we want to empower them. And uh, that's where we invested in just the founders. There was no correct business model. There was no correct technology. There was no correct marketing plan, acquisition story. There was nothing on the table. But we invested in the founders and the vision. And once we invested, they had uh, just just one store. Uh, their valuation was well below uh, half a million dollars. Uh, so um, once we picked that investment, and again, that investment was something which was laughed by everyone, right? That how would this investment actually work, or uh, how would this model work, right? Wherein it's no technology, how will you scale this up? So uh, we made that investment. Um, I of course had something that maybe this will work, and we now of course have about ninety plus stores across the across across the country in about two two and a half years. Our valuations are probably well over ten million dollars, um, and uh, we've raised multiple rounds of funding post that. And yeah, we've been generating some crazy amount of revenue, and I would say we are um, almost half uh, in our mission of empowering uh, about one million people. So uh, that's the that's one of the craziest stories of investment that. I personally have witnessed in my uh, short uh, term of investments till now. Yeah, I love it. Great story, and uh, you're right. Sometimes people don't see the uh, the opportunity because they feel that it's oversaturated, or there's a million reasons. Uh, but you were able to see that and jump into it and, and help them grow. So that's exciting. And uh, uh, you're right. It's it's about the founders. It's about their drive. It's about understanding what the opportunity is and what they see in their eyes. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely, Jeffrey. That's well said. I love it. All right. We're going to ask a couple personal questions just before we get close to finishing up here. Um, all right. Favorite sports team? Uh, it has to be Manchester United. <laughs> what? Oh, man. You should be an Arsenal fan, but that's okay. Yeah. We'll let you have it. We'll let you have it. They're not a bad team. I love Manchester United from the old era when Ronaldo and <laughs> uh, Rooney and every all, all of these guys were, were there, right? No, that's brilliant. Yeah, they're uh, they're all great players uh, for sure. Um, okay, next. What is your favorite movie, and what character would you play in the movie? 
My favorite movie is Joker, and I would definitely pay for Green Phoenix. Yeah, <laughs> Joker and Green Phoenix. Yeah. yeah, I like it. I like it. I haven't. Uh, uh, is it the new one you're talking? Like the Joker one that just came out? Yeah, the the one for which Green Phoenix won the Oscar. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, that was an intense movie. <laughs> Very intense, but it was a crazy movie. Uh, I loved his uh, free spirit and uh, spiritness about life. Uh, how he was just living life to his own terms. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a that's a great choice. I well, I would say that it's something I would need to see again, but it wasn't too long ago that I did watch it. So uh, great movie, and uh, you know what? You learn a lot about. Um, how someone envisions themselves in a character in a movie. So I get to learn a lot about you today, uh, learn about the styles and all the things that you guys have done. Uh, congratulations on all the success and uh, continue to keep pushing and helping startups. You're a good man. You're doing a lot of great things in the environment. I listen to lots of your podcasts and other things that you've done. And uh, you, you seem to be um, uh, very uh, well positioned down to earth and, uh, very approachable and um uh i'm the mind that comes to me is a very dalai lama style uh, <laughs> of a person which i think is amazing so uh kudos um i'm glad that we got to spend some time talking today and explore again everything and what you're about and what you're doing and um i want to thank you again for joining us today so thank you thank you thank you so much definitely it's a pleasure pleasure being being with you and thank you so much for your kind words always and of course, I wish you the best as well. You're doing a great job with this podcast and, uh, and a thousand other things through which you're empowering the ecosystem. And yeah, I wish you the best in your journey and I look forward to staying connected. Awesome. I love it. And then the way we like to end our podcast is we like to give you the last word. So anything that you want to share to the investor community or to the startups, uh, I turn it over to you. But again, Adida, thank you very much for all your insights and uh, keep up the, the great efforts. Thank you. Thank you so much. Everyone who's listened up uh, us here till now. Uh, and uh, to all the investors community as well, that I would say is that uh, you guys are doing a great job, uh, but the, the job is not even uh, halfway done, right? Uh, it's a long haul till we empower more startups uh, all across the world to, to come up and solve exciting problems, not just for one country, but across the world. And we have a very important role at hand because we are literally at the shape of our innovations. So I just wish you all the best. And I, I hope that you bring more and more of people into the ecosystem, uh, into the investing ecosystem. And you aware, you spread more knowledge and awareness about startups and about investing in startups as an alternative asset class. That's, that's about me. And always add value. Don't just look at investments from a financial strategy. That would happen eventually. But look at uh, always adding value in whatever you do and bringing valuable people to any transaction. Yeah, that's, that's what I want to say. I love it. Add value. Done. That's the day. That's the line for today. Add value. I love it. All right. Adita, you're a good man. Have a brilliant day. And thank you again for joining us. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. Have a great day as well. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, that was great. I uh, really enjoyed uh, talking with Adida, he has uh, uh, listened to lots of his content and things that he's done, and he's come a, a long way in a short amount of time, and I, I love it. Add value. Uh, I can't say that enough. Find ways to add value to the startup community, to the investors, to people in your life. Just find ways to bring value, and you will find that a lot more things are going to come back 
out of it when you're able to be there and be a crutch for somebody and help other people out. Uh, there's a lot of value there for sure. And again, you know, going back to some of the things he talked about, which was um, certainly focused on data analytics, uh, being able to understand uh, how this helps shape your business, look and learn. Uh, all of these things are going to uh, be beneficial to the growth of your business. Pay attention to the numbers and have that passion and keep growing. Uh, he made a lot of valuable points. And like anything, um, check us out on all of the streams for podcast. Uh, we've now live made that live, so you can check it out anywhere from Apple to you name it. All of the uh, places you can find that. Uh, check us out at opn.ninja, supportersfund.com, uh, all the places where we share content. Uh, share, like, add us on social, and looking forward to keep communicating. Have a great day.